Thank you all so much for joining me here. <clears throat> Thank you all so much for joining me here. Let me try that again on the Gut Wrench podcast. Now, thanks to a lot of you, a lot of your support, and a lot of friendly camaraderie is what I'm going to boil it down to. I now am eligible is the word that I'm looking for. I am now eligible for the ambassador ads on the platform that I was recording from. All I needed was 50, count them, 50 new listeners. And that wasn't on a consistent basis. That wasn't on a basis where I I guess, you know, oh, every month it has to be met. And there's a set requirement and it has to be met. It has to reset on the first of the month, on the second of the month, or whatever that is. The last um, service that I used wanted me to reach a threshold of a thousand downloads a month. And they charged me $27 to do so. So each week, I would try my best to come up with something progressively um, shocking to say in order to gain internet fame fast. Because $27 a month is about the equivalent to $270 a year. Now, if I were to tell you that you could save $270 a year... And all you had to do was switch telephone prompts, let's say companies, switch internet companies, for that matter, uh, you pick up a new washer or dryer, um, and by the way, your telephone company that you just switched to, you switch and they will save you $270 for free. So all you have to do is pick up the phone and it's free. There's no cancellation fee. There's nothing like that. You know, uh, by the way, um, whenever you switch washers or dryers, you just throw your old one on the curb and we'll pay you the $270 a year for the first 10 years. That's $270,000. Do you see what I'm getting at here? It adds up really fast. So the savings that I was saving were as though that before I was living paycheck to paycheck, struggling to pay $27 a month. Now I'm using that $27, and I'm quite thankful that I have it in my pocket. Moving on from that... Like I said, this is a rather lengthy apology, I would say, but not apology, I'm sorry. Uh, Well, that was an apology, me saying I'm sorry. A rather lengthy thank you is what I was going to say. A rather lengthy applause Um, for those audience members who have stuck with me for this long. So, in hindsight, thank you. Thank you for tuning in each and every week to the Gut Wrench Podcast. Thank you, Ted the Hill, the Hillbilly Hill, 
um, for shouting me out every week. And thank you so much for all of your support on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, you know, because believe it or not, I, whenever I first started this journey, whenever I made the transition from, from YouTube, and don't worry, my YouTube channel isn't dead, it's just that I'm struggling to find content for it, but whenever I made the transition from YouTube to the, the podcast that you're you're listening to right now I was scared to death and I still am scared to death because you know I have a very tough job and that's to find each and every week to look myself in the mirror and then say okay what makes this episode better than the last one what makes this episode better than the last one because each and every week I feel as though that I have a certain duty a certain responsibility in order to make my show must hear must see must um you know like something that you would look forward to every Saturday morning or for that matter something that you would look forward to every time that you open up um your Spotify or for that matter your Amazon um, wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Apple, Amazon, um, Stitcher, uh, I'm coming to Pandora very soon, I promise, I know I keep saying that, I'm writing a book, I've got, um, t-shirts and merchandise, and don't worry, that's also coming soon, thanks to the fact, in large part, that I'm saving $270 a year, rather, I'm not saving that collectively and like I said I'm genuinely scared to death that everyone is for whatever reason they think oh this this guy's it's just he's just boring so I don't want to be labeled as boring. I don't want to be labeled as generic. And all those people that I set out to kill, that I've I've basically tried to kill in my pursuit to um, become something that they are not. And those people is Kevin <coughs> and Sammy. And I will not give you their last names. You know their last names. I don't want to mention them. I don't want to give them any sort of, of limelight. You know, I, I play the dummy whenever I say Kevin's name. And then I say, hmm, what's his last name? That's because I don't want to give him the um the time on my show. On my time. Right now, Kevin is on my time. And I don't want to waste it talking about things that's going to make you, the listener, click off. Click off the channel. And speaking of things that make me click off the channel, I'm going to have to um, do a little bit of... So, I, while I was taking my notes, I noticed something. Last week I'd forgotten to mention something. So... The Rock and Triple H and guest referee Bulldog, this was last week, uh, in a Brahma Bull 
strap match was something that we've never heard of before. I gave it three and a half out of five stars. Um, I'm pretty sure I already said that though. But one thing that I didn't say, even though I did let you know that Jared attacked um, China, who was in the corner of Triple H, our champion at this time. <clears throat> One thing that I forgot to mention that I must have overlooked or something of that nature is even though the the guest referee was the British Bulldog um Triple H versus The Rock every match at the, at this night including Triple H versus Mankind Triple H versus um the Ministry of Darkness, or at least two-thirds of the Ministry, two-thirds, two-fifths, maybe, of the Ministry of Darkness, collectively, because the Ministry of Darkness was known as the Accolades, which was Bradshaw and Farouk, um, Viscera and Midian, they were, uh, the Accolades as well. Any combination, basically, of the Undertaker, Midian, uh, Viscera, um, well, they weren't the accolades unless unless you took away like Farouk and Bradshaw. They were the acolytes. But anyway, I guess that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> the casket match that he had, the Inferno match that Triple H had, these were all in effort in order the choke slam challenge, that's three matches. Um, which, I mean, I've seen a body slam challenge for a $100,000 or something of that nature. I'm drawing a blank as to when that was. I think it was the first WrestleMania, but I could be wrong. Um, shoot. All of these things were to punish Triple H, and at the end of the the whole shebang... That he was two for two because he had to face like uh like he had to at least win three out of five in order to keep his um spot at the unforgiven pay per view. And the one thing that I forgot to mention was the fact that the Bulldog, the British Bulldog, was not only the special guest referee appointed last minute, but he was also in the corner of Triple H. So at the last minute, uh, basically, The Rock gets screwed, and uh, Triple H ends up winning the match due to a fast count. That's classic Triple H. He's, um, he's amazing at doing stuff like that. You know, he's always stacked the deck in his favor, and, you know, you can't beat the best. And if you're going to play the game then you might want to come with some cheat codes. You know, like the very macho, um, rough, tough Triple H. You can't beat him because he is the game. I, I don't know how else to put it, but I did leave a note here that says to explain the circumstances of last week, um... And also to talk about Roman Reigns and the lackluster booking of Roman Reigns. So, had that been the case, and we also have a return, 
we also have someone who left um, two or three weeks ago that I forgot to cover because of course I did um, but what I mean to say is that it is Roman Reigns basically being put into a corner as far as his booking goes his booking has been lackluster at best and you all I feel as though that you're agreeing with me as well as the fact that CM Punk left I went to bat for CM Punk and I was wrong I thought he would stick around for more than just a cup of coffee I thought for sure that if CM Punk lost in any way whatsoever, for that matter, if he got knocked off the horse, he would definitely get up, dust himself off, like we all have to, and then just say, okay, it's time to start yet again at the bottom of the barrel. Or for that matter, it's not. Every day is a struggle for me, but for someone like him, I would imagine it would be as easy as working for two or three more months and then getting put into a championship match with someone maybe on his on his skill level. And even though he's an old man, and th those are his words, not mine, um, even though he's an old man and, you know, he has to, quote, work with kids who and work with management that doesn't know what they're doing. You know, it seemed like to put the Young Bucks together with someone like Britt Baker. I shouldn't say Britt Baker, but, you know, I'm using all of these these young, hungry guys as an example of things that we, the fans, want to see. We don't want to see the same, you know, even though it's good to see Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, the guys that we grew up with, we don't want to see them die, and we damn sure don't want to see, don't want to see their careers fade into irrelevancy because that's a part of us. It's, it's going to happen. And in order to keep the business afloat you're going to have to hire younger more talent you're going to have to hire you know the youngest of the youngest um talented superstars in order to keep the business afloat and more than likely it's going to have to be guys who already have a reputation somewhere you know like CM Punk and at one point in time he was that young spry chicken but now I guess he's just a grumpy old man and he said it once before I guess it was true when he said it when he said it back when he actually quit pro wrestling he said he fell out of love with the business which for me is hard to believe that someone could actually say that and mean it. I have a passion for professional wrestling and I'm going to tell you guys something. I don't know when it started. They say you never forget your first. I by far cannot remember the first time I laid eyes on a wrestling match and said that's what I want to be involved in. Anyway,
platform isn't about me. It's simply something that I do often. I bring myself into a situation for you, the listener, to try to do one of two things. One, either you can relate to something that I'm saying and it's bringing us, the host of the show, and the listener of the show closer because I know that I am a relatable character by one trait or another. Um, Or it's bringing us further apart. By you listening to this, you could think that I am boring. Once again, that is my worst nightmare. To hear someone say, oh, you're just boring and generic and you need to switch up the formula like I don't want to do random humor I don't want to do that all the time and have to rely on that I don't want to say something like oh last week we saw Triple H versus Mankind in a boiler room brawl and do you want to know what I have to say about a boiler room brawl well if I have to watch one more of those then the cat's going to get skinned tomorrow You know, like, I don't want to have to rely on random humor in order to get... I mean, I could do that, sure, but I take this platform very seriously. And instead of talking about skinning the cat, you know, uh, two out of five stars, three out of five stars, this match got ten out of five stars, I would rather talk about what it is that's um, that's entertaining about professional wrestling and top each episode that I'm making. Had that been the case, I just got done talking about this and I got derailed really fast. <laughs> anyway, the lackluster booking of Roman Reigns. So, do you remember when... Exactly, they went off the the hinges with this one. Because, to me, and this is just me, I'm watching wrestling from 1999. And I don't know if this is just me, but I'm just going to say hypothetically that it's just me. But, I'm seeing the, the presence of them asking... Well, ladies and gentlemen, I wonder what's going to happen later on tonight. I wonder what's going to happen um, tonight because this is a live TV show and there has to be some ex- some excitement to it in order to keep it live. And they'll tell you some of the matches that are on the card that they've that the bookers or for that matter that people have already uh, pointed out, hey, tonight we're going to see this as our opening contest, and then uh, the next match will be right here, and then you might get a promo spot that derails maybe the third match that you thought, or that the commentators probably have a piece of paper that tells them what it is that they're going to see so that they're not caught off guard, but us as the audience members are. Instead of seeing that that excitement and mystery now you get directly after the pay-per-view airs and the last pay-per-view that they had what was it um 
directly after that pay-per-view, regardless of what the name of it was, because I'm drawing a blank, WWE makes some of the most forgettable pay-per-views. And plus, I didn't look at it, so that might be it. It might, it may have been the SummerSlam, right? The SummerSlam pay-per-view was this past week, where Roman, not this past week, but last month rather, where Roman Reigns faced off against Brock Lesnar. <coughs> In a last man standing match, if I remember correctly, and if that's the case, then. You know, that's that's great and all. I really don't know why Brock Lesnar was a face. I'm still confused about that. He works better as a heel character and it's not it's not a foreign concept to see two heels face off against each other. But it's it's okay. It's not important. It's just poor storytelling. The fact is that directly after SummerSlam that they went and then they said, okay, here's our next pay-per-view. And here's Roman Reigns' opponent. Okay, that's that's cool. So you mean to tell me that Roman Reigns is practically just going to have four or five weeks off? He's not going to show up to TV, even though people want to see him, more than likely. Um, this is sort of a... An oxymoron. People want to see champions. They want to see them defend their titles. And they want to see that they're going to be a fighting champion regardless of regardless of who their number one contender is. Tonight we did look at some wrestling. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, and yes it is twenty Almost 23 minutes in, and I have yet to talk about what wrestling that we've talked about in 1999. Um, no, I didn't watch anything from AEW, because all of their dark matches are at least an hour or so, and I try to get these done by on Wednesday night into Friday night. So that I can have it up by Saturday morning. However, had that been the case. Lackluster booking uh, at Crown Jewel. And there's something else that I've been forgetting to mention. That I had to write down on a piece of paper. Ladies and gentlemen. Next week is. The anniversary show. That I've been talking about in past weeks where I've said that I'm going to do a giveaway. You remember how I said that I saved money and it wasn't with Geico? See, I can do random humor. But you remember how I said that I saved money and it wasn't with the leading car insurance? Um... Rather... It wasn't even with the cable company. But what I saved money with was the fact that I switched directories on who or where exactly it was that I was streaming my podcast platform from. So if that's the case, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to use it for other means, such as a giveaway. 
or two giveaways or three giveaways because not only this week but not next uh, hang on let me get this straight not i shouldn't say not this week october the third never mind october the first is the first saturday in october I'm sorry for giving you all misleading dates here, but October the 1st, 2022 will mark a year. Well, the 3rd will mark a year, but, you know, just roll with it here. October will mark a year that I've been doing this podcast. So had that been the case, I would like to thank each and every one of you for joining me over the past 52 weeks, because that's the amounted timeline within a within a year 52 weeks so a full round year that would be 365 days right i can't say it enough and like i said i'm scared to death that people even to this day, think that I'm generic, or that I'm not funny, or not interesting, for that matter, that I'm clueless as to what I'm talking about whenever it comes to professional wrestling, all because these are their words and not mine, I, quote, have a different opinion than them. But... With all of that out of the way and with a few vented frustrations and hopefully I'm not forgetting anything else, I've caught you up to speed as to what's happened last week. This week, a lot of storylines intercept. A lot of storylines tend to bleed into each other. So, let's just get... Straight to the bread and butter. Straight to the meat and potatoes. Bob Holly said he lost last week because X-Pac and Kane couldn't be bothered to wait for Hardcore and Crash to get the scale to see if X-Pac and Kane meet the weight requirements. So, in case you don't know, for whatever reason... Bob Holly and Crash Holly come out each and every week. Crash Holly always has this scale on him, and whenever he comes down, it's a running gag that Crash and Bob Holly are super heavyweights. Because, in case you don't know, in the WWF, there are four weight classes. There is the featherweight, which is the women, probably around 100 pounds, maybe. There is the lightweight division, which would come into play like, I want to say, the early 2000s. So we're almost there. This is 1999, but there was no lightweight division here. But this was just me practically saying that there were four divisions there was the heavyweight division which depended upon is kind of like 199 to about 250 pounds and 250 plus 
was the super heavyweight division and could go no uh, more than 400 pounds. So, as a matter of fact, Jerry Lawler brings it up on commentary. He says that, yeah, I mean, X-Pac and Kane, they're not 400 pounds. Well, Kane's maybe 225 or 230 pounds at best. And Bob Holly points it out that they're maybe 400 pounds together if they got on the scale together. But Bob Holly himself is maybe 230, you know, 230 pounds. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. This is ridiculous. They come out each and every week and they talk about the fact that they are um, super heavyweights, and Crash Holly is far from a super heavyweight. He's my size. He's 150 pounds. Maybe. You know, I mean, he looks like he's maybe 200 pounds wet, you know? But, I, I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. I don't even know why I'm arguing with myself. <clears throat> And that's the only reason that Bob Holly and Crash Holly lost to X-Pac and Kane last week. And then they proceed to, um, I didn't write it down here, but uh, Bob Holly proceeds to um, get involved with the Road Dog and uh, Jericho. And he hits Road Dog in the back. Interfering on his match. And whenever I spell Road Dog, I spell it the way that Road Dog spells it because in, during his entrance he says, It's me, it's me. It's that D O double G. So whenever I spell Road Dog on my uh, piece of paper here, I always put two G's. Fun fact, I guess you could say. Triple H. So then they get a, um interview with Vince McMahon. Uh, Michael Cole interviews him and then he asks him, What are you going to do about the Bulldog situation? About what, um, it was that, as I told you, The Rock versus Triple H with a spe special guest referee being the Bulldog happened last week on uh, SmackDown. Well, what ended up happening was the Bulldog was in Triple H's corner um, the entire time. So Triple H had stacked the deck against Vince McMahon. And what happened the week before that was Triple H called out Vince McMahon and basically said, Hey, uh, old man, you want to get in the ring with me? the game and he basically said stop hiding behind your skirt and of course referring to linda um it's a whole big anthology triple h basically did the same thing that cm punk would do years later basically say hey you don't wear her you don't wear the pants in the family but you do wear her panties don't you you know just basically driving it home for triple h and I mean, if things are going to come full circle like that, 12, 15 years later, CM Punk would be able to come out and make fun of uh, Triple H the way that Triple H made fun of Vince McMahon in the 90s than the way that I see it. <laughs> it's funny, you know? That's what I was trying to say. It's funny. It's kind of ironic, but it's funny. It's sort of a karma situation, you know? You're going to do that to an authority figure, an author uh, someone's going to do that to you as an authority figure, just so you can say that not only did you say that to them, but also you had to be put in the same situation years later. Anyway, Triple H gets fined $25,000 
for putting hands on a referee and has to defend his title on this night, 9-30-1999, which this, that date is quickly approaching. Speaking of, um, here, hang on, let me get the train of thought back. Speaking of anniversaries, this one, 9-30-1999, is also approaching. Mankind calls out Val Venus. Okay, okay. Okay, so this this one's kind of funny. It's more than kind of funny. It's it's beautifully funny. So I do apologize if I end up bursting into laughter for no reason. Uh, so mankind calls out Val Venus. Uh, and for those of you not aware, you know Val Venus is the porn star gimmick. <laughs> oh, on Monday Night Raw uh, or. He says on Monday Night Raw, uh, Venus pooped on his party and then says he wants, no, he doesn't want it. He says rather he needs what's in his pants. So Val Venus is kind of stumped, you know, he's kind of like, hey, wait a minute, Mick, we can talk about this, you know, mankind, we can talk about this, you know, you don't need what's in my pants, you don't want what's in there, and Mankind does this without cracking a smile. I am serious. He says he's going to turn around for a while and he just wants he just wants Val Venus to give it to him. I didn't know how to respond to that, but also McFoley also says or Mankind rather also says that it's in his pants. Val Venus, I know it's in your pants. It's big, it's long, he says, and it's got a beautiful head on it. So, he said all of that without cracking a smile. And kuda, just, just man, with mankind, it can get no funnier than that. So then he says, you know, I don't understand what the big deal is you know i'll show you what i'm talking about roll the footage they show footage of for whatever reason val venus gets a sock that the rock gave to uh mankind and it's called mr sock mr rocco rather um mr rocco is the cousin to mr sacco and it shows Val Venus stuffing his shorts, you know, to make his his schlong look bigger, you could say. <laughs> and Mick, and um, Val Venus ends up saying, Mick, that was just a joke. You know, that was stick between me and the boys. Basically, he's saying something like, hey, I mean, if you want it, if you want it that badly, I'll go give it to you. I'll go get it. And basically sets in motion like I said a lot of stories bleed through like this one bleeds through to another one that he has with the Dudley boys over ripping the jacket that the rock gave him it's called the rock and sock connection and there's only one jacket in existence or at least in 2009 or something, there was only one jacket in existence, and it was signed by both Mankind and The Rock. Okay, so 
if you can find that, imagine how much money it it's worth. You know, if it's signed by both Mankind and The Rock. And that jacket is the um, Rock and Sock Connection jacket that they both wore. The Rock, of course, not too pleased with Mankind. Mankind keeps coming into his locker room and giving him updates and telling him, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't get Mr. Mr. Rocco. <clears throat> and another funny part is where Mankind says, either you whip it out and put it in my hand or I will reach in your pants and I will pull it out and I'll shove it down your mouth. That's, of course, before they show the footage of the sock that he was talking about. And next we get Edge and Christian. Okay, so there's something called the uh, Terry Reynolds Invitational. The winner, and for some reason, I get the impression that there was no other tag teams than these two. Who have a... After this, we'll start to build momentum to have a historic rivalry in the wrestling business but nonetheless um edge and christian face off against matt and jeff of the new brood now if you'll remember the old brood which they're not collectively known as but i mean by default if there's a new brood then there has to be an old brood and the old brood air quotes is Edge and Christian, because they did it first, right? Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, I shouldn't say, uh, Gangrel, rather, um, hung out with Edge and Christian. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes hung out with uh, Matt and Jeff, but for whatever reason, they mention it two weeks later, and don't worry, we'll get to that. Um, assuming that I made a note for it, Edge and Christian uh, split ways with Gangrel and Matt and Jeff, who were with Michael P.S. Hayes as his, as their manager, ended up um, forming an alliance with Gangrel and collectively they were not the Hardy Boys. They were the new brood. But the winner of a best of five series will uh, win twenty five thousand dollars i think it was or 200 when the uh services of terry reynolds and some huge amount of prize money i guess i didn't write it down i thought it was like 250,000 or something like that but i'm sure that was just to like who knows if they actually won that you know I'm going to tell you in a nice way, Rock, if you better stay out of my way. So, it was a very um, generic promo by the British Bulldog. He gets interviewed by Michael Cole, who's asking him some questions. I think it was Michael Cole, if I remember correctly. And he ends up saying something along the lines of, I'm going to tell you in a very nice way, Rock, you better stay out of my way. So, The Rock will be the special guest referee. Oh, how the tables have turned. Because if you'll remember, last week, 
the British Bulldog was the special guest referee for a match between The Rock and Triple H. And this week, the the special guest referee is going to be The Rock. In a match between Bulldog and Triple H. Hmm. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that's something that we like to refer to as consistent booking. If you had been paying attention for this long, then you deserve a dog treat. Go ahead, grab you something out of the snack machine. You know, it, it, pull open a bob. A bob? Holy crap. What am I, Australian? Pull open a bag of popcorn. See, I can do random humor. I can be witty and funny and all kinds of other things. Oh no, watch out. I'm going to fly off the handle. I could explode in any moment. What's he going to do next? Find out on the next episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. I'm about to lose my marbles. <laughs> but the bulldog basically says, Hey, you, you bitch. Dwayne Johnson, you better stay out of my way during the uh, during the wrestling match. And The Rock could care less. Whenever we get to that, though, um, The Rock basically plays the both of them like a fool, he hits Triple H with the rock bottom, he hits the Bulldog with the rock bottom, he doesn't really do the people's elbow, he does the people's eyebrow, he walks around the ring a few times, whenever Triple H goes for a pin on the Bulldog, he's looking at the fans, he's signing autographs, he's um, on commentary and he's talking about uh, how much uh, monkey piss does Bulldog drink in a day. You know, he, he talks about the fact that <laughs> he just does everything except the one thing that they asked him to do. And keep in mind that that was a championship match. The Rock, or not The Rock, The Rock is the um, <clears throat> special referee, rather, um, who, by the way, vents his frustration and letting people know that he did not ask for this. He did not want to be the special guest referee for um, Triple H and the Bulldog. Then we get a European Championship match, and this is the first time that Michael Cole says anything about um, about their last pay-per-view, Unforgiven. Throughout the whole night, he has yet to mention their last pay-per-view, Unforgiven. So I'm taking it that it wasn't a very fruitful match because we're 30 minutes in. Well, not 30 minutes into this show, but 30 minutes into this show right here. Um, and he had yet to say anything. We're like four matches deep, and they've already announced the main event. But anyway, it's a European Championship match where Mark Henry um, <coughs> faces... Okay, D'Lo Brown beat the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, sexual chocolate at this time. He's not the world's strongest man just yet, but he would become the world's strongest man. As D'Lo Brown faces off against the Big Show, and I gave it one out of five stars, there's a run-in by Albert. Because Albert was on commentary, and he thought it was 
cool to run in and and do something of that nature and also this would spar another one of those bleeding rivalries as i told you that would bleed into one story bleeding into another story <clears throat> and mark henry after the match uh wants delo brown's support he wants his support because he has an addiction mark henry with Tears streaming down his face looks into the camera and he says that he has a sex addiction. Now, I was laughing, not really sure why, but Michael Cole was very sincere about it. He was letting people know that, you know, addiction's not funny, it's nothing to laugh about, but he says he thinks about sex at lunch. He thinks about sex at night. He gets <laughs> he gets on base more than Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. <laughs> he also says that he spent money, thousands of dollars, um, flying women in. And then I'm like, what? Here I am. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, why would you fly a woman in? Isn't there like... I hate to say this word, FCC, be aware, just put a sensor on me right now. Isn't there like prostitutes like, you know, in the cities that he's going to? I mean, Mark Henry's traveled the world. He's traveled the world. You can't tell me that he hasn't. <laughs> just just forget it. I guess I was going to make another lowball joke. Ha ha ha. Joke's on me. Uh, Bradshaw and Farouk uh, is a triple threat. Uh, tag team elimination match to uh, find the number one contender I'm going to assume but the Dudleys uh, the Acolytes and X-Pac and Kane uh, Bubba Ray Dudley and Devon uh, Bradshaw and Farouk uh, X-Pac and Kane and I give it 2.5 out of 5 stars uh, Mankind tells Bubba Ray to give him so here's what happens directly after the match mankind basically comes out he says hey you know you better give me the rock's jacket and bubba tells mankind uh, to come and get it uh and for whatever reason bubba ray has this this stutter he 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 cannot can't can't cannot he can't complete a sent complete a sentence without with with without Devon Devon Dudley basically hitting him in the back of the head to stop the stutter um that he has I don't understand their gimmick because at times they're stuttering or at least Bubba is stuttering I I I take it that there was something that happened that proxied the stutter. Take, for example, uh, years later, Evolution would throw gold dust into a breaker box. And whenever he would get thrown into the breaker box, weeks would go by, but then gold dust would come back. And then once gold dust came back, he was very impulsive and he was very... He, he would also stutter as well. But it's only because he got electrocuted. Or 
So that's what we're led to believe. There's one uh, shining example wherever he's talking to Steve Austin and they're in the locker room area or in the hallway before you get to the locker room. Steve, Steve Austin. And then Austin goes, what the hell do you want? It's hilarious. Steve Austin. Austin. Anyway, uh, Jeff Jared. Jeff Jared comes out. Uh, if there is any women who want to get their carpet cleaned, he's inviting them into the ring. Okay, so the women. He he says. He says basically that if there's any women. Um, who need their carpet cleaned that he'll gladly do it for him. He throws into the ring an ironing board, um, a vacuum cleaner, uh, a rolling pin, a cooking sheet. Basically, he's making misogynistic sexual jokes toward the women because they don't belong in a wrestling ring. And he, he says if there's any women who want to get their carpet cleaned and... I'm assuming that that's a euphemism for sex in one way or another. Um, that he's going to invite them to the ring. So, the fabulous moolah, um, Jack, Jacqueline, um, Janet from Makeup. Let me try to think. Who else is it? Um, China. There's Ivory. A few other women, including Lillian Garcia and Deborah, so at least four or five, but there's like a sea of women, basically, who are following him around, including China, um, Lillian Garcia. One of them has a rolling pin. Um, the other one has like a cooking sheet. Another one has like a... Um, uh, the vacuum cleaner that he threw in. The other one has like an ironing board. They've got all these weapons and they're looking to chase him down and he wants no no part of it. He's just like, no, no thanks. I've had enough of that. You know, just get the fuck up out of here. Earlier he was a big bad man. You know, he, oh, I'm a man. I'm a big bad man. But whenever he's confronted with like six, seven, eight, ten women who have weapons in their hands... Yeah, I don't think he's too. I don't think he's too keen on that situation, and I wouldn't be either. But at the same time, I don't make a living out of um, out of um. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to say it. You know, making sexual remarks towards women. So for those of you who don't know, I'm followed by um a lure. That's it's not a lure. Hang on, I'll get it right. A uh, shimmer. I'm followed on Twitter by Shimmer Wrestling, and it's a women's wrestling company who focus solely on the women. I would also like to be followed by WOW, Women of Wrestling, but we'll see if um, they share my sentiments. <clears throat> Nonetheless, China gets payback and a rematch at the next pay-per-view, No Mercy, which is their first... Um, time at least 
it's my first time hearing about their next pay-per-view, No Mercy, um, at this night. And I still got... Yeah, I think I can do the rest of this episode. Okay, so Mankind calls out Bubba Ray to get the jacket that The Rock gave him. And he wants the uh, Rocco a sock that was given to him by The Rock from Val Venus. He basically calls them both out. And the Dudleys uh, rip the jacket in half. Like I said, that jacket might be worth like... The other one, if Mick Foley still has it, or for that matter, if it's still like wrestling memorabilia, and I'm not trying to do the um, stutter on purpose that time, I promise. Uh, Last Monday, the Bulldog cost The Rock a championship opportunity. Now, we didn't look at the Monday before this one, but we're going to look at the Monday after this Thursday of October 9th, 1999. October 30th, rather, 1999. Yeah, 30th. Um, or, yeah, by running into the match at the last minute, the WWF championship match, um, Triple H versus the British Bulldog. Now, The Rock played both of them like fools. Now, if you'll remember... Just got done talking about how The Rock was concerned about nothing to do with this wrestling match. Triple H went for a pin. The Rock could care less. I mean, he was checking the tweets on his phone. Even though, I mean, Twitter wasn't a thing in 1999. That's practically what The Rock was doing. And rightfully so. He doesn't care about, like he said on commentary, I don't care about neither one of these jabronis. And the match was a trap to get revenge on Bulldog and Triple H. Triple H knocks on a locked... So, after Triple H gets his handy kicked, his fanny kicked rather, he thinks that it's a good idea to knock on a uh, door in the back room and then he's he's knocking on the door and if you'll notice there's someone that's missing from this equation there's a certain rattlesnake that i haven't talked about all night and if i don't talk about him i'm gonna have to skin the cat Triple H knocks on a locker room door thinking it was China. He's knocking on this door and then he's like, China, open the door. China, open the door. Come on, China. It's me, Triple H. Open the door. And he's met by someone who does answer the door and it's a pissed off Steve Austin. Now, Triple H just had been attacked by The Rock um, backstage. Well, he followed The Rock backstage because The Rock had Triple H's championship belt um, on him. And he was basically like, you know, look at me. I'm the champ now. Ain't nothing you can do about it. So Triple H, after the main event that The Rock was supposed to be the referee for, and believe me, he was, an un, he was a biased referee if I've ever seen one. <clears throat> Nonetheless, Triple H knocking on that door 
a backstage area. He gets met with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Steve Austin practically just decks him one good time after flipping him off. Even though Peacock censored the finger. On the video game that I play, there's a fun fact here. I think it was the European version of WWF uh, No Mercy or WWF us. Uh, WWF WrestleMania 2000 for the Nintendo 64. Both games, by the way, you can download onto your computer if you're curious about them. Um, but I wouldn't pirate anything. You can't see it right now, but I'm smiling suspiciously. But anyway, what I mean to say is that it's... It's, um, really... Steve Austin on the other side of that door who flips off Triple H and the finger gets censored but on the European version of those games that I just mentioned the finger is censored but on the American versions I don't think that the fingers are censored now it could be wrong it could have that completely backwards but I'm not sure why the finger has to be censored whenever I downloaded it onto my computer Whenever I did that, or someone else did for me, um, anyway, whenever that whole sequence of events happened, it's not censored on the version that was downloaded onto my computer that I already had. <clears throat> anyway, I'm going to stop talking about illegal things now. Um, here's what I mean by a lot of things bleed through oh never mind that's not a jared okay i thought that something here was with jeff jared but don't worry we'll get back to him too steve austin practically answers the door and whenever he does he beats triple h so bad he beats him into a corner on the wall and then he just keeps wailing on him and there's no referees within 10 yards of here it's clear and then they fade to black we get a four-team elimination tag team match on the the Monday Night Raw. I didn't write down a date. Yes, I did. 10-4-1999. Yes, October the 4th. That would be the Monday after the Thursday because the last one was 9-30, which is September 30th, 1999. 10-4-1999, Monday Night Raw. Um, a four-team elimination match as Road Dog Jesse James and Billy Gunn, the NAO, the New Aged Outlaws, face off against X-Pac and Kane, Hardcore and Crash, of the Crash uh, Cousins, or of the Holly Cousins, rather, and Bradshaw and Farouk. I give it two out of five stars. X-Pac didn't tag Kane because he wanted to prove that he can run with the big dogs. And... Gun and Road Dog got counted out uh, too short of a match. The Bulldog catches heat for accidentally, and I put that in air quotes, throwing a trash can at Stephanie McMahon. So basically he walks into Vince's, Vince, Mc, Vince McMahon's office. Whenever he does, he, he throws a trash can and in frustration he is why he does it because he thinks that Vince McMahon's out to get him after what happened last week 
Um, he asked for a championship match. He got a championship match in the fact that The Rock was the special guest referee, and it was not Vince McMahon's fault that The Rock that The Rock decided to go rogue <clears throat> and go into business for a quote himself, and you know humiliate Triple H and the British Bulldog. Uh, then gets uh people to call him an asshole bulldog says vince screwed him out of his championship but he says it's vince's fault his daughter is in the hospital bulldog says he would never put his daughter in a locker room full of wrestlers bulldog talks like he's out of breath so here's how the bulldog talks in that Romo one word at a time. If you'll notice, I speak very, I, I, I won't say fluently because I probably speak with an accent that bothers everybody for whatever fucking reason, but myself, I can't hear my own accent, um, so it doesn't bother me. But I don't talk like this. And on top of that, Triple H's music hits. Uh, Bulldog thinks, okay, now I'm going to get my championship shot. But no. You remember when I said that these storylines tend to bleed over? China's got two problems. One, Jeff Jarrett. Two, which Jeff Jarrett is the Intercontinental Champion. That's why this whole thing started. Um, but his her second problem is the British Bulldog. <clears throat> the Rock on the phone, uh, and he calls Mankind. So Mankind comes into the... Um, <clears throat> The Rock's locker room, basically, and he's looking for forgiveness. He's basically, like, trying to butter up The Rock, and then he's he's trying to tell him all these things that, you know, he wishes that The Rock and Sock Connection could have done together. And Mankind leaves. He tells The Rock, you're going to go far, kid. And then he pats him on the back. And then he says, you know, you're going to do great things. And in hindsight, you're going to look at this, right? Knowing what The Rock has done today, he is the number one paid actor in Hollywood today. Knowing what he has done today. Everything that I heard Mankind say is correct on the nose, on the dot. <clears throat> Keep in mind that Mankind, at one point in time, was considered to be the king of the death match. Anyway, aside from his Cactus Jack uh, portrayal, one thing that has always remained uh, perfectly clear is that mankind respects The Rock. And he gives him a pat on the back, and then after that, uh, The Rock pulls his phone down from his ear, and then he says, what do you want, you know? 
He doesn't call him a jabroni or anything like that. He just asks what he wants. After Mankind leaves, The Rock gets back on the phone and whoever he's talking to, he ends up saying this famous or rather infamous quote that I feel as though should not have been said by The Rock. He says something along the lines of, yeah, it was Mankind. He's half retarded. Wow. So, after that, Mule, it's not Mule, Mula, except I spelled it wrong, and Mae Young try to assault Ivory, the woman's champion. Because they're going to have a match later on. If you'll remember what I said earlier, um, this is supposed to be a, a best of five series. It's called the Terry Invitational. Edge and Christian to face off against Jeff and Matt Hardy. The Hardy Boys is what you probably know them as, but at this point in time, they're known as the New Brood. <clears throat> and I gave it three out of five stars. It was honestly a uh, fast-paced match. Probably the best match of the night. I'm sorry, the second best match of the night because the best match of the night was the main event. It got a higher rating. <coughs> a Triple H promo where he invites JR into the ring to ask JR a few questions after watching an interview done by JR to Steve Austin. Basically asking, is Austin cleared to compete? After the actions of Triple H. Um, now he promises JR that he's not going to hurt him. He promises him under any circumstances whatsoever. I'm not going to hurt you. And King even convinces JR to get into the ring. Saying something along the lines of. He wouldn't hurt you if I'm here. And you know Jerry Lawler. I mean he's. He's past his prime at this point. <coughs> and on top of that. I mean, what, in what world would Jerry Lawler stand a chance against Triple H in his prime? He invites JR into the ring and they watch this um, interview with Steve Austin conducted by Jim Ross. And it's basically something along the lines of, yeah, but Steve, you're still hurt. Uh, why do you think? That you're going to be able to step into the ring in two and a half weeks. What makes you think that you're going to be getting any better? And the SummerSlam that we're talking about isn't the SummerSlam that you guys are thinking about. The SummerSlam where, if memory serves me correctly, it was SummerSlam where Owen Hart dropped Austin on his neck. Um... That's not the SummerSlam that I'm referring to. The SummerSlam that I'm referring to has to do something that showed a little bit of highlights. Triple H takes a chair to Austin's legs and to his neck. And it looked painful from the 20-second highlights that they did show. But he tells JR he's safe, basically. H tells JR that he's safe. He will not hurt him. So then Triple H asks him some questions. He asks him, what do you think Austin thinks about me? Austin thinks 
H is an asshole. And J and then he says, Okay, well, JR, seeing as though that you're a journalist, you know, and your opinion is highly valued. And Triple H was fuming at this point. You know, what do you think Austin thinks about me? Because Austin wasn't here tonight. <clears throat> but even though Austin's in therapy, he tends to ask. <clears throat> he tends to ask Jr. what exactly it is that Jr. thinks about him, Triple H, seeing as though that I am the champion and your opinion is valued. Unlike us who work at Walmart, our opinions are. I'm gonna put this in air quotes. Valued. <clears throat> JR says he thinks Triple H is a low-down son of a bitch. He just says SOB, but I thought that I would bring it full circle. Then after Triple H attacks JR, after promising that he wouldn't attack JR, all the referees flood the ring and then they're, they're like, hey, you know, stay away from him. Then we get what we're supposed to see, which is Jeff Jarrett and Ivory, the woman's champion and the intercontinental champion, versus the fabulous Moolah and Mae Young. However, Jeff Jarrett has a valet with him. Her name is Miss Kitty. And Miss Kitty ends up um, getting pushed down, basically, in the wrestling ring by Jeff Jarrett. And Double J decides it's a good idea to go over to commentary and make misogynistic, um, it quotes, or, or rather misogynistic remarks and comments toward Miss Kitty, as well as everything else that's happening, um, saying she better not embarrass me, and I'm going to let the women fight. So in case you don't know, Fabulous Moolah and Mae Young, uh, for whatever reason, they get made fun of a lot. And I thought my refrigerator was uh, making a funny noise whenever this happened. So for those of you who don't know, I have a mini fridge in my room. Um, there was a big... <laughs> noise that I heard. And I had to pause the broadcast that I was uh, watching. And as soon as I unpaused it, King on uh, commentary said, it seems that we're having some technical difficulties with um, the music that's playing for the fabulous Moolah on May Young. And then I was like, that wasn't my refrigerator. Okay. Uh, Miss Kitty replaces Jared. Uh, King says that Moolah Moolah was a waitress at the Last Supper because he likes to make fun of how old she is. <clears throat> uh, Jeff Jared puts Miss Kitty in the figure four and then we cut to a GTV. So GTV was like a hidden camera video game show, I guess, that they decided to do and it shows draws. Darren draws an off and he pukes in D'Lo's bag. So basically, he's blowing chunks, and he forces the chunks out of himself. Like, he's like, 
he asks someone off camera, he says, hey, where's D'Lo's bag? And then he says, it's right there. And then he grabs D'Lo's bag and then he goes, and he does it enough times to where there's actual vomit coming out of his mouth. And he just throws up. Jericho interrupts The Rock and Mankind as The Rock says, You think you impressed The Rock because a few months ago you was down south, you beat Juventud Guerrero. So if I had good editing software and good editing skills, I would put right here, I would timestamp this right here. And I would put MGF's, MJF's voice of him saying, Who the hell is Hooventoot Guerrero? <laughs> because it seems to me that no one knows who Hoovy is these days. But MJF, to bring things full circle, MJF actually made a similar comment. Well, Jericho made a comment and then MJF basically just cut Jericho off and said, Who the hell is Juventud Guerrero? And then Jericho pats MJF on the back and says, You got a lot to learn, kid. I swear, it's the funniest thing. And just to make that one joke on this broadcast would be hilarious. So I hope that someone else out there is a dedicated fan and I know that it's a long shot please clip me saying that and then after put the MJF voice who the hell is Hooventoot Guerrero but anyway I'm getting off topic as just an editor's note that I put here uh Devon and Bubba ambush mankind and Stevie Richards and Stevie Richards is known as the new dude love he's basically dressed up like dude love and he's He's coming out to the music of Dude Love, and according to the commentators, he's already tried to be one of the acolytes. He's already tried to be uh, the Undertaker. He's already tried to be uh, so many other people, the big boss man. You know, he's come out week after week trying to find, quote, his identity because he needs someone to be. Well, it'd be great if you'd stop, you know interpreting other people's gimmicks and then we get bulldog versus china jeff jarrett interferes not even two minutes into the match he whacks china over the head with a, a can of coffee and then he grabs a microphone and berates her and practically says something along the lines of you're you know you belong in the kitchen not out here so if you'll remember earlier um Big big boss man? Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little bit tired. Um, the British Bulldog comes out and China interrupts him and then basically says, Hey, you want to match with me? Fine, you've got it. <clears throat> so, if that's the case, then we cut to our main event. Oh. Well, after the Dudley Boys in Mankind versus Stevie Richards, uh, Val Venus steals and 
provokes mankind as soon as the match starts. So basically, mankind, you remember he wanted the sock that was in uh, Valvinus's uh, pants. And I'm serious, that's all that he wanted was a sock. He didn't want what was round, uh, long, and had a beautiful head on it, as he said. <laughs> oh my god, this episode is out of control. I'm so sorry. Thank you all so much for your support. Jericho versus The Rock. And I give it three out of... Three and a half out of five stars. Almost four stars out of five. And I would have given up four out of five had it not been four. <laughs> so I thought for sure that The Undertaker was going to come out. This is a common trope in professional wrestling, believe it or not. But for some odd reason, the lights went out. No reason whatsoever other than the fact that the lights just cut out there was someone must have forgot to pay their electricity bill or something but there was a good minute maybe two minutes with no lights whatsoever and the camera just looking around trying to find the nearest light source but you could see the people had their phones out or they had like lighters or maybe they had flashlights who knows at this point They had camera flashes, I know that's for sure, to capture their Kodak moments. But the point is, is that it was dark, and you could hear, like, the commentators, they were like, where, where is everything, what is happening, did I just go blind, and then all of a sudden a spotlight shows up, and a few spotlights, and then the lights come back on for no reason whatsoever. I thought for sure that The Undertaker was going to come down. There was going to be shenanigans. You know, um, Bray Wyatt was going to pop out of a hole. I thought for sure something wacky and cartoonish was going to happen, but it never did. Thank you all so much for joining me. I forgot to say this at the beginning of the broadcast, but my name is Mocha. For those of you wondering, I forgot to do my intro because this week has been hell on wheels. I don't know. know. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to go shave the cat. Thank you all for joining me, and that's a wrap. Join me next week for the anniversary show. That's a wrap.